Hello there kings, queens, and non-binary royalty. I wasn't originally planning on recording a lot of episodes surrounding the topic of my misophonia, but a friend of mine said she would be interested in hearing more about my life experiences and daily struggles with this disorder. So get ready for story time. <laughs> Back when I was a young lass, I recall feeling like I was going to explode if I couldn't get my sister to stop chewing with her mouth open and my stepdad would make a smacking noise with his mouth every time he yawned. Also, whenever he would finish taking a sip of a drink, just smack. And I called it the noise, quote unquote, and would demand that he stop making the noise. Every time I hear it, I feel like my brain is hit with a hammer. The sound of someone's mouth smacking isn't like nails on a chalkboard or a microphone dropping and producing feedback. It's worse than all the bad sounds in the world combined. It makes me want to escape my body and become physically violent with whoever and whatever caused it. Sometimes I still scream at the TV when someone starts eating, trying to cover their wretched sounds with the sound of my voice until I can reach the remote and hit mute as fast as I can. Here is a list of places that are my actual worst nightmares and my perception of what hell would be like if it were a real place. Starting off, we have movie theaters. They're full of popcorn and candy and ugh. Then we have cafeterias. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. Children's classrooms during lunchtime. Uh, gum chewing competitions. ASMR videos. Don't know why those have become so popular recently. Uh, I could really do without them. The inside of a potato chip bag, I imagine would be a good version of hell. Um, oh, and exposure therapy. <laughs> yeah, remember when those therapists recommended exposure therapy? <laughs> good times. Like I said in the podcast before this one, there is no treatment or cure for misophonia, but this does not mean I cannot live a happy life. As anyone would, I avoid my triggers as much as possible. And as bad as COVID has been, especially with all the lives it has taken, I like to try and see the positive outcomes. Like, no longer having to work in a cubicle? How on earth does anyone focus or get anything done with the amount of sounds happening in an office space? The whole eight hours they're stuck there. I now have been working from home since the beginning of the pandemic, and I found a fully remote job when my old job was threatening to send us all back to the office again. I couldn't keep blasting out my eardrums with my headphones every day just to try and block out the typical office sounds and the more than occasional eating sounds. And trust me, I've tried everyone's first recommendation to just tune them out and focus on another sound. But the triggering sound for people with misophonia becomes amplified times a thousand. It is always the loudest sound in the room. It's often difficult for me to fully express my struggles with misophonia, especially to certain people. I've gotten better at talking about it, but I still find myself apologizing for being weird or for the perceived difficulties that it might be causing someone else to have to deal with being around someone who becomes enraged at sounds that the average person makes multiple times a day. But <laughs> we all have problems. 
who's to say what problems are normal versus abnormal? You can't tell someone how to feel because all feelings are valid, even ones that may not make complete sense to you right now. I'd like to give you guys a little more background on my life. I also have a few other mental illnesses besides the misophonia. I have anxiety, depression, and bipolar 2 disorder. Most of you are probably familiar with the first two, and maybe you are with the third, but for those of you who aren't familiar with bipolar 2, I'm going to give a brief overview from sources like WebMD and the Mayo Clinic website, and I'm going to go over how it personally relates to me. So first, what's the difference between bipolar 2 and bipolar 1? And what is bipolar? So bipolar is when your moods cycle between high and low over time, basically between depression and mania. But in the bipolar 2 disorder, the up moods, like the mania, never reaches full-blown mania. It reaches something called hypomania, which is a lesser form of mania. So if somebody's feeling manic, this normally includes three or more of the following symptoms. Feeling abnormally upbeat, jumpy, or wired, increased activity, energy, or agitation, exaggerated sense of well-being and self-confidence, or euphoria, decreased need for sleep, unusual talkativeness, or rapid speech, racing thoughts, distractibility, poor decision-making, for example, going on shopping sprees or taking sexual risks or making foolish investments. And with full-blown mania, it may also trigger a break from reality or psychosis. The other side of bipolar is depression or a major depressive disorder. A major depressive disorder normally includes five or more of these symptoms, which is depressed moods, such as feeling sad, empty, hopeless, or tearful. It can also display as irritability, marked of lost interest, or feeling no pleasure in all or almost all activities. Significant weight loss or weight gain, or decrease and increase in appetite. Uh, insomnia or sleeping too much. Restlessness, slowed behavior, fatigue, loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness, or excessive or inappropriate guilt, decreased ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness and in thinking about or planning or attempting suicide. I know that was a long laundry list of symptoms and I apologize for that, but I want to say how they relate to me. For instance, the racing thoughts and rapid speech in mania. I don't even sometimes notice how rapid my speech gets when I'm feeling manic. Other people are like, whoa, slow down, Sarah. But um, on the other side of it, the depressive disorder, there are times when I can't get out of bed and I have all this guilt and excessive worry that I'm not good enough for deserving all the things that I have and get. All of this is important because it is a part of who I am. It does not define me, and I don't believe having it makes me any less credible as a person. If anything, 
being self-aware and knowing that I have these things makes me better at combating it than somebody who's completely uneducated on the subject and lacks the tools to manage it. It is important not to let yourself get absorbed in the fear and anxiety associated with having one or multiple diagnoses. Having these labels does not mean that you are doomed to a cursed fate. Having these disorders often means that you're your own worst critic. The outside world has more sympathy and less judgment than you expect normally, if you're lucky enough to find some good people out there. But I really believe we are all unique and beautiful in different ways. One thing I've taken away from therapy is that thoughts are just thoughts. They are neither good nor bad. They do not need to be judged so harshly. And they go just as easily as they come. Another thing I learned is anxiety works kind of like a bell curve. It increases and increases till it is at its maximum and usually will have a peak that only lasts so long before the body tries to take the anxious feelings back down and level you out. With misophonia, sometimes it feels like that peak level of anxiety keeps coming back every time the triggering noise happens. Different sources have differing opinions on what percentage of the population actually has misophonia. It's probably not always diagnosed either. I'm really hoping more research will be done on this, but I understand that researchers probably have their hands full with deadlier diseases and illnesses. Suffering is not a competition. If it were, I know mine may score lesser on the scale compared to people experiencing chronic pain or their own forms of torture. But personally, I'd rather sit through another five hour tattoo session than be forced to listen to someone chewing. And trust me, I hate needles. I am thankful for many things. I am thankful for the friends and family I have that do their best to understand me and give me the support and love that I need. A lot of times, more than I could ever dream or ask for. I'm thankful for my variety of therapists and the lessons they have taught me. And definitely, <laughs> I'm thankful for my psychiatrists and the scientists involved in creating gene site testing to help make sure that I'm taking the right types of medicines for my gene structure. If you haven't checked out gene site testing, definitely do. It's G-E-N-E-S-I-G-H-T. I am not getting paid to promote them. I just think that it is a big takeaway of the guessing game that is psychiatry. Um, and finally, most of all, I'm thankful for myself, for being the person I am and giving myself the knowledge and tools I need to heal and feel whole. If you could do me one favor, <laughs> I'd like for you to do something for yourself today. Take a bath, bake a dessert, do some stretches, just take a moment to release the thoughts and energies that make you feel like you're being held hostage on this planet. Think instead of your life as a gift. Remind yourself that the universe has aligned perfectly just for you to exist in this moment right now.
Stop waiting to be happy and treat every day like it's a new day to be reborn. Live your life being the most magnificent person you can think of. Be somebody that you would love today so that tomorrow you can look back and love the you that you were yesterday. Do something to make yourself feel loved in the present moment. And while you're in that moment, please don't forget to enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Toodles.